Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hello there, and welcome to Raising Daughters, a podcast about daughters that comes out every couple weeks. Dr. Tim Jordan here, a developmental and behavioral pediatrician. And for those of you who have been here before, thanks for coming back. For those of you who are new, I hope you enjoy this podcast and subsequent ones that come out every few weeks. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions today to start off with, to kind of set up this topic. And the questions are these. Do you want your child to grow up and become a master at their craft? Is talent something you're born with, or can it be developed? I'm going to start you out with a a quote today by Harry Truman. I studied the lives of great men and women, and I found that the ones who got to the top were those who did the jobs they had at hand with everything they had of energy and enthusiasm. And that quote by President Harry Truman sets up what I want to talk about today when it comes to things like talent and genius. I want to uh, refer you to three good books that I read that help me with this topic. The first one is called The Talent Code by Daniel Coyle. Another called The Originals by Adam Grant. And the third, Genius Explained by Michael Howe. Um, but let me start first with, an, with some research done by a man named Anders Ericsson from Sweden. He did a 30-year study of talented people starting in the late 70s. And what he found was that every expert in every field that he studied was the result of around 10,000 hours of committed, deliberate practice. So people would be working on their technique, they were seeking constant critical feedback, and they focused ruthlessly on shoring up their weaknesses. And some people call that deep practice. Malcolm Gladwell talked about that 10,000 hour rule in his book, The Outliers, but it came from research by Erickson. Erickson also confirmed research from the 1899 time period. And what that research showed was that world-class expertise in every domain studied required at least a decade of committed practice. That became known as a 10-year rule. So if you combine that with Erickson's other work, you end up with the 10-year, 10,000-hour rule. That might explain people who end up being masters of their craft. It's maybe not just what they were born with, It's about a lot of time and energy put into their practice. So you might ask, what about geniuses or prodigies like Mozart or Michelangelo? Well, it's interesting. Uh, In Michael uh, Howe's book, Genius Explained, he found some facts that, that showed this, that Mozart, even though he was considered a genius, by the time he was six years old, he had studied over 3,500 hours of music with his instructor father. By the time he was six, he had already put in 3,500 hours at least of musical practice. It was also found in, uh, in his book, Michael Howe said, the true expertise of geniuses is their ability to deep practice obsessively. And that deep practice for 10,000 hours was really their world-class skill. It was less what they were born with. It was more about the deep practice. And so creative geniuses not, not, aren't qualitatively better 
than other people in their fields. It's not about the quality so much as it is they produce more volume of work. And that gave them more variation and a higher chance of originality. So it wasn't the quality, it was the quantity. Let me give you some ideas and, and some facts about some very famous people, like Mozart. Mozart, by the time he was done, had over 600 pieces. Beethoven, 650 pieces. Now, both of those people, we probably know a half a dozen or a dozen of their works, but they did hundreds, 600 and 650 works in order to produce those seminal pieces that we all know about. Shakespeare produced 37 plays and 154 sonnets. Picasso, over 1,800 paintings, over 1,200 sculptures, 2,800 ceramics, and over 12,000 drawings. Now, we obviously don't know about most of those pieces of work from Picasso. We only know about a few handfuls, but he, think of all the work he put in for that amount of work. Einstein had over 248 publications, and most of those people generated their most original output during periods in which they produced the largest volume of work. The summary of that, the moral of that story is that quantity is most the most predictable path to quality. Quantity is the most predictable path to quality. Interesting, isn't it? Let's talk for a moment about Michelangelo. Michelangelo grew up in Florence, Italy, uh, at a time that is called the Italian Renaissance, roughly between the, age, uh, the years of 1440 and 1490. And in that period of time, Florence, Italy produced an incredible number of incredible artists who put out so many good works of art. And you think, why in that 50-year period uh, was there so much great art produced? Well, it's interesting uh, when you look at it. Uh, Florence was the epicenter for the rise of some uh, very powerful uh, things called craft guilds. These craft guilds were associations of weavers and painters and goldsmiths. They organized themselves to regulate the competition and to control quality. And these guilds ended up creating a lot of talent. They grew talent. And it was built on an, excuse me, it was built on an apprenticeship system where boys around the age of seven were sent off to live with masters in their homes. And they did that for anywhere from five to 10 years. So young boys were working directly under the tutelage and the supervision of masters of their crafts. So these kids learned the craft from the bottom up through doing, through action. And they competed within a hierarchy where if they were good enough, they could rise to the status of a journeyman. And then if they were good enough after years of that, and if they were skilled enough, then they became a master. So these apprentices spent thousands of hours solving problems, trying, failing, trying again, but all within a very supportive system that was very organized. Michelangelo lived in that system. When he was age six, for four years, he lived with a stone cutter learning how to use a hammer and a chisel, and he did that before he could even read and write. He tried but failed briefly at schooling, and then he apprenticeshiped after he was 10 with a great uh, Gerlandio, sketching, copying, preparing frescoes in one of Florence's largest churches. Then he was taught by the master sculptor Bertoldo and lived and worked with Lorenzo de Michi until he was 17. So he had lots of practice and lots of tutelage under uh, many great masters. So Michelangelo was a promising but little-known little artist until he was 24, and that's when he produced the Pieta, his first great work that got notice. People told him it was 
it was just pure genius, but Michelangelo had a different way of, of looking at it. Michelangelo said, if people knew how hard I had to work to gain my mastery, it would not seem so wonderful at all. He put in his 10,000 hours and over 10 years of practice. Deep practice, by the way. So some quick takeaways from these examples of genius and talent. First, kids need autonomy in choosing what interests they pursue. If they're allowed to follow their passions and do activities for their reasons, they're much more likely to be engaged in what they're doing. They'll be much more willing to put in the hours of deep practice that re it is required to, to end up doing well in whatever field you choose. They'll be much more likely to persist when they hit obstacles and challenges. They'll be much more willing, if they have autonomy in what they do, to get out of their comfort zone, to take risks. And if they're doing what they love to do, only then will they receive the most joy and fulfillment from what they're doing. Let me finish here with a, with a quote. I started with a quote. Let me end with a quote. This one's by Howard Thurman. And he said, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do it. Because what the world needs is people who have come alive. I want your kids to come alive, and I want your kids to follow their passions. And if whatever they do in their life, I want them to end up doing well in it. So think about what we can learn from the geniuses and the talents and the masters which I spoke of. The quantity is oftentimes more important than quality. They need to put the hours in. They need to put the time in. So make sure that they're following their own passions and interests. And I think that's the best way for your kids to end up being successful and joyful and fulfilled. Thanks for tuning in here to Raising Daughters. I'll be back with the blog in a week and a podcast in two weeks. Check out my website at, at www.drtimjordan.com. There's lots of information there about our retreats, our camps, all my books and things. So I'm really happy and I'm very grateful you come by here uh, every few weeks to listen in. If you have questions, uh, write me an email at dr at drtim at drtimjordan.com. Also, send me suggestions about topics you'd love for me to talk about or, or research for you. I'll see you back here in a few weeks. Thanks for tuning in. Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen.